Hello, welcome to podcast number one. My name is Emily, and today we are interviewing Adam. Adam. All right, it's October 24th, 2020, and we would like to share uh, a conversation that Adam and I will be having. All right, what is your name? My name is Adam. Excellent. Um, would you like to tell me about your family? Uh, not particularly. I don't care to put too much information about family or personal stuff on the internet that is more than just me. Okay, I understand. Um, would you like to talk... Oh, sorry, I wasn't supposed to ask that question. <laughs> okay, uh, would you like to talk a, a bit about your background or your upbringing? Uh, sure. I uh, was raised in southern Ontario uh, in the GTA. Uh, went through high school, school, went to University of Toronto, um, went into chemistry, uh, not sure much else about my background, but uh, qualifies unless you uh, there's any particular question about background you wanted to ask me. Yeah, sure. How would you describe your up- upbringing? I'm not sure how exactly I would describe it. I mean, I, I had one. Yeah. Whether that's a good upbringing or a bad upbringing, it's uh, well, difficult to say. But I, I had an upbringing. I wasn't exactly one of the richer kids or anything like that. But I'm like. We had food on the table, so like, and we had enough entertainment that we didn't, you know, go nuts or anything like that. So, yeah, we had an upbringing. I guess it's the closest thing I can say to that one. All right. Uh, yeah. So for your siblings, um, I'm wondering, um, what would you like to say about your siblings? Uh, well, they exist. I, which, ironically, is something I have to clarify to at least one person up here. Right? We keep saying we're going to play this game called Twilight Imperium and that my brother might potentially come up because he owns the game yet has never played it. Okay. And it's... Uh, he'd probably spend a good chunk of money on getting the game but not, but every time we play it uh, he's always busy so uh, he, he never makes it up so he... Uh, so there's a bit of a running joke with one, uh, one of my people I play with that... Uh, my, my brother doesn't actually exist, but uh, he does. Okay. Um, he recently let me know I'll be an uncle. Oh. So uh, we uh, let me know over our Thanksgiving. Well, congratulations. So we'll have a covenial in the family real soon. That's wonderful. Do you know uh, when uh, the due date is? March-ish, I guess. Oh, okay. So I'll be saving vacation to go down to for that, more or less, rather than spending it uh, in the first in the last quarter of the fiscal year wonderful i'm i'm happy for you that's a big uh, monumental shift in your life is to be become an uncle and to have a you know second generation of your family well i mean assuming that you were the first and then to have a um your brother have a fam well family of his own that's wonderful mm-hmm. that is wonderful um so i'm wondering if your concept of family has shifted over time, you know, have you, from what you consider family to be back when you're a kid to, you know, be, being a young adult to now being a man, um, has your concept of sham- family shifted over time at all? I'm not going to, I'm not sure if it has, because like, as a kid, I have this very basic idea of a family, which is, you know, parents, kids, that, and then you can have people who are close enough that they, they're they not actually blood relatives, but they can seem like family, and like adoptive family, mem- adopted family members are, would be 
family members nonetheless. It's just over time, I, I think it may have expanded to include a few other things that as a child I would never have thought of. Okay, awesome. So you mean expanded in the sense like, of adopted uh, family yeah, members? Like, yeah, like uh, if, you know, if you have a family that is divorced and then you marry into them, for example, that'd be... Uh, like a different from a nuclear family, right? Yeah, like, like growing up, the idea of the nuclear family was typically what was got presented to me, to me so I never terribly thought much of anything above that, uh, beyond the nuclear family, but just because something was necessarily beyond the nuclear family, uh, whether or not I would consider it a, as an aspect of family, uh, even as a kid, I don't think, I, 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 I think I would still have considered that, and, you know, to be family, not, uh, as I've grown older, like, it's more a matter of I've gotten experience and, like, introduced to various other family units beyond the nuclear family, which, so I'm not sure if my idea of family has changed, it's just, you know, what I would, would have always considered to be family, I've just been exposed to more examples of it, I suppose, is what I sort of said. Oh, okay, I see. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Adam. All right, now, I don't, I hope you don't mind if I uh, shift topics. Um, now, I'd like to ask you about how you see yourself and your own identity. Pessimistically, I suppose, is how I see myself. I, I'm a bit of pessimist and introvert, so... Uh, I, I mean, how I, I don't usually have a very... an overly positive uh, self-view of myself. And in terms of identity, you may have to elaborate a little bit more. Like, I'm not sure like, if there's like a more specific question if you give a more specific example of what you mean by identity sure yeah um but like sometimes when when people say i identify as a you know cis uh woman who's attracted to men or sometimes people identify as like i'm a catholic or sometimes people identify as i'm a canadian sometimes people say i'm a scientist so i'm wondering what your primary identity is if i was to say adam who are you you know and then you would answer in some sort of a question or sorry some sort of an answer right so adam who are you well i, I mean i can throw some identities out there i am a scientist in a roundabout way i am i'm an atheist i am the, the heterosexual man but most of these are not necessarily identities that are really meant to define me like a lot of times especially nowadays when people use identity they use it from a purely internal standpoint that you define identity by what you want to be and sometimes people define their identity by a purely external standpoint by what they mean to other people and well, I can't answer what is the correct way. I don't think either of those ways are necessarily correct. You are not so completely in control of your own identity that what you are is explicitly what you say you are. Right. But who yeah. you are in terms of identity is not necessarily only the things that can be measured and observed by other people. So I don't really have an necessarily a good answer for this particular question, but it's... 
it's one of those questions that I think a lot of people would necessarily have difficulty answering and it might be one of those situations where if you have someone who can answer it very quickly for you they might actually not actually have the correct answer okay as in they're taking a, a wild guess and hoping that is right you know, a lot of things in this world have happened just because one person has the confidence to step up and say uh, something they know is completely wrong is right and enough people just go along with it. Can you give me an example of that? I really haven't really thought thought too much, but like... <sighs> Maybe Hitler? Well, Hitler is a good example. I like... I wasn't going to jump all the way to Hitler for Godwin's Law, but sure, we can jump right to Hitler for God... Uh, ignore that and jump right to Hitler. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, obviously he had his own ideas and then he had a bunch of people believe that his ideas were true when uh, obviously time would say that they are not um, the best way to enact a, like a society is to, you know, kill a bunch of people that are different, so to speak. I, my, I, I, would, I would basically phrase it as that Germany was definitely having problems. He presented a solution and he was... <coughs> charismatic he was confident he walked up and said here you have this is your problem this is your solution to it and people obviously followed that and it is and it is the fact that people sometimes looking for the easy answers to certain questions uh, that lead them to believing the wrong answer. Yeah, because they're oversimplifying a complex problem, right? Yeah, Would you agree that, with that? That's, I'd, I'd say that's probably the point I'm trying to go to, yes. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so would you say your concept of yourself has changed uh, substantially at, at any point in time, or has it been more of a gradual change, or has it not changed all that much? Um, I mean, I can certainly see myself around puberty changing uh, concept of self, I suppose, a little bit more as, you know, as the hormones start racing a little bit more, you know, grim, a little bit more pessimistic, a little bit more depressing self-view of self. Okay, so at, at one point in time when you're younger, you, you're a bit more positive and then something kind of changed, right? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I guess I'd say that, yeah. Okay. Um... Have you ever had a big um, event happen in your life that had an impact on you, be it a positive one or one that wasn't uh, as pleasant as a positive one? Oh, sorry, we can pause, yeah. Oh. All right, so sorry, sorry for that interruption. Um, yeah, so I was asking you if any single event that you can think of had a big impact on you, be it, um, you know, in a positive way where you really embraced that change or something that you would prefer rather not happen, but it happened anyways, and then you were kind of stuck to deal with the outcome, be it a uh, more negative experience. So I was wondering if, if you can pinpoint a big uh, event that happened in your life. Sure. Uh, 13th birthday. No one showed up. Oh man, that must have been sad. Yeah. Yeah, it was not a. It, it was not a good realization to realize I was that kid. I was the kid that was. Uh, I was the kid that was uh, not going to have his uh, have friends show up to his birthday party. So, Aw, how did that make you feel? I mean, it, people didn't show up to your birthday party. I'd imagine it made people feel exactly the way people feel. It doesn't make people feel good when 
when no one shows up to something that's supposed to be an important event. Yeah. And like that, even to that day, I mean, you'd still, I don't, I don't give up my birthday to most people. Like yeah. most people don't even know when my birthday is. Right. And, um, so do you look at birthdays in a different way? Like, like, do they mean something to you to remember your friend's birthday and try to make it special for them? Or, or like, how do you, what's your view on birthdays in that, in that sense? Uh, I mean, my view on birthdays, it's usually just an ex excuse to hang out with people or say hi to somebody. Typically, it's, uh, I, I mean, the fact that I had a particular incident with my birthday, it doesn't really change my opinion of how other be people's birthdays should be celebrated. It's just I don't particularly go out and celebrate my birthday anymore. Would you mind sharing your birthday with me? Yes, because you got a recorder in front of my face. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so what day is it? Well, I know I, that's another thing I'm not putting on the internet for obvious okay. reasons. Okay, obviously. Don't put your birthday on the <laughs> that is step one of identity theft. Do not put your birthday on the internet. That right. is a bad idea. Sorry, bad, bad question. Okay. <laughs> right, that is a bad question. Um, but I'd really like to know it so at least I can not be like a, an asshole and at least wish you a happy birthday whenever it does come around. I think it's November, end of November. But anyway, we'll talk about that offline uh, for obvious reasons. Okay. Um, so we're going to shift gears. I hope you don't mind uh, to a different topic. Well, and that's. Well, Emma, I mean, yeah. We know you, you put these questions in front of me before. Like, you don't have to keep saying we're going to shift gears. I mean, you can just, as far as I'm concerned, you can just move on to the next question. I mean, I'm good with that. Unless okay. You, unless you really want to put a bumper in between each of the questions. No. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to look at the list. Uh, yeah. So the next set of questions I have here are um, interests, hobbies, and pastimes. So how do you spend the, your free time when you're not at work or when you're not sleeping? So what do you do? Uh, so, I, uh, I'm pretty much a geek, um, so I could probably start listing off the hobbies I've gone through and some of the ones that I've just stopped doing because I have a magic co gathering collection that is significant. I, we started collecting when I was a um, kid, mostly because there was a hobby store uh, nearby, where someplace we were going when my brother started karate and then I joined karate and then because I was young we uh, basically, he started collecting, so I started collecting. Okay. Uh, I kept going for a while. Like I, I got big into it in university, just because I actually hit, hit a, started hitting a point where I stopped just grabbing cards and started doing things like learning the actual game rules. So, like around the Mirrodin block, I started uh, playing in earnest, and then I kept going through. The uh, Mirrodin block goes to. Kamigawa goes to Ravnica goes to I think it was a time spiral that I sort of fell out with it part of that was uh, this guy who like, he sort of just disappeared out of nowhere which I kind of feel ba bad about because I, I don't think I did as much as I could to try to find out what, what happened to the guy um, I sort of fell out of uh, practice with that and then at that point I started picking up Warhammer Fantasy and it's another thing that I've been collecting for a while and then actually finally found a group of people to actually play it and I played that for a while and then 8th edition came out and 8th edition was one of those things where the company changed it to make the game less of a game less of something for the players more of a cash grab and I just hit a breaking point where I just I couldn't stand how terrible it had gotten and like uh, an example would be I played Wood Elves which if anyone you know, were actually listening to this is you know, someone who played Warhammer from 7th edition to 8th edition, you know, here's someone who's playing Wood Elves. You understand how much 8th edition kicked their teeth in. 
and like uh, and like then I finally found the 8th edition book and for nostalgic reasons I uh, I bought the 8th edition book and what they had done with Wood Elves is they had basically made them a combination of the High Elves and the Dark Elves and the, all the Forest Spirits that they had that actually defined the Wood Elves as being distinct from the other two races of Elves they just they nerfed them into the ground to the point that it was mathematically better to take non-force spears to be basically another generic elf army and then as i understand it because by well before because obviously by the time i bought that book i was out of warhammer okay um now pardon me for not knowing too much about magic uh, but i do know about, a little bit about warhammer i used to date a person who was into warhammer and he would paint the little figurines so i know a little bit about what orcs are and stuff like that yeah. and uh, elves and so it makes me kind of think of like lord of the rings are you a big lord of the rings person as well uh, i'd say i'm a big fantasy person and this and by a sort of a transitive property that makes me almost inherently a big Lord of the Rings person because so much of what we think of fantasy builds on Tolkien's works because to say my to call myself a Lord of the Rings fan I, I definitely like Lord of the Rings quite a bit and like Games Workshop the company that makes Warhammer makes Warhammer 40k they got the license to make the Lord of the Rings uh, tabletop uh, miniature game uh, but the like, I never read Lord of the Rings until the movies were about to come out. I never read The Hobbit until after the Lord of the Rings. I, now, at this point in my life, I have read Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and The Silmarillion multiple times. And I certainly enjoy them. Uh, but yeah. And I'm definitely a fan of the work. I'm definitely a fan of how Tolkien's interpretation of, of things, his writings, uh, are very have sculpted a lot of what amounts to the current fantasy worlds. Uh, how big of a fan I am, I, I, I wouldn't pr pretend to say I'm a, the, the world's biggest fan. I mean, I, I can't speak Elven. But uh, Can anybody speak Elven? There are some people that, like, Tolkien actually wrote the language, so it's actually possible to speak Elven. Really? I didn't know that. But, because uh, Tolkien was a linguist, and so he more or less built the, the Elven language, so it be spoken, but, like, when I hear things like the net, new Netflix series that's going to be about the, they're going to be a prequel going into the stories of the Silmarillion, how they're asking for extras that are okay with nudity. I, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people that think that's a good idea. Like, to, to take it into like a kind of a sexual thing, right? Uh, Is that well, what you're referring to? Well, I think that's everyone's concern. Yeah. Because like, it, it feels like, uh, because we don't know exactly what's happening and if you and if someone was like if you weren't looking for like an a single actor that was okay with nudity i could see this being a situation like it's uh mystique or romeco romaine stamos from the uh original x-men movies where her outfit is very revealing and basically even if she's covered and completely in full makeup she's basically walking around borderline naked but with uh but except uh, with some body paint on and that might be the sort of thing where you need to have someone that's comfortable with nudity because you're so close to it you may as well but like it, it, I think everyone's concern is that the idea that you would need someone to be naked fr from any kind of picture is you know the typical Hollywood thing where you know they look at Game of Thrones they look at Spartacus they look at uh, I, I'm 
unfortunately I can't name too many other ones where basically, you know, half the time they have someone walking around pointlessly with their breasts exposed just for the ratings. Like, yeah, I, I've heard a lot about that in the Game of Thrones. I haven't watched it at all, but I know that people kind of watch it just because there's a bunch of naked people, pretty much. Yeah, like the I think the best one was uh, uh, the College Humor did their Game of Thrones RPG where they basically do the Game of Thrones season as if it was a 8-bit RPG thing for get for last and the gag is that you know you uh, in the second season you have the little finger uh, blatant nudity break because uh, the, the books themselves are written from a single per, um, character's point of view so the first book is very much a mystery novel in, in certain senses because you're only seeing the point of view of a lot of the good noble characters trying to figure out a mystery and then you start getting some more of the evil characters and you got to start seeing a lot of the other side of the conflict from their perspective but uh, so but when it came to the actual show this means that they had lots of clips where they had or that weren't in the book that were trying to present various different scenes with various different minor characters that otherwise would barely show up in the show at all if they had tried to stay as close to the books and how they what they did in the second season is they ended a added a lot of pointless and repetitive scenes that happened in the brothel for no particularly good reason just to work in titties right so yeah people tend to be all about the titties and woohoo like who hasn't seen a pair of tits before right yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure everybody has except for like children obviously so, so it, it like so with Game of Thrones, like that is basically essential because it's this dirty world that is meant to be built in reality. Like in reality, people go off to brothels, see, like in medieval times, secretly to do things they, that a lot of the culture says they shouldn't be doing. Right and on, yeah. In Lord of the Rings... They don't really have that. Yeah, Tolkien never talked much about sexuality. Like, no. you know, you had two people who got married and then a baby came out. And if, and maybe some people didn't get married and may, and then a baby popped out. They were not, he... He wasn't overly sexualized. He didn't, yeah, that was yeah. certainly an aspect that was never brought up heavily. But then again, hobbits are kind of naive and innocent type people who don't uh, seem to have, have it all together anyway, so... I mean, they're young hobbits. Like, they, 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 like, it's not a matter that they don't know what's what. It's just a matter of Tolkien's writing and the very fundamental spirit of Tolkien's writing doesn't lend itself to that. So it seems like. So again, I think the, the going back to the room. I think people are ultimately concerned that this is a corporate decision for shock and awe rather than something trying to stay close to the source material. Gotcha. All right. Now, <clears throat> uh, obviously you don't like it when I say shifting gears, but uh, yeah, if you don't if mind. You, if you like to shift, say, say that yeah. comfort, then go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because, um, like, uh, I do understand the Tolkien. Like, I, I'm, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan ever since you talked to me about it. Like, I actually watched all the movies. I haven't yet read all the books. I'm looking forward to doing that at some point. But, I mean, it's pretty long. <laughs> So I, I do intend to actually put my nose to the books at some point. Uh, that day hasn't come yet. But I do really like The Lord of the Rings, and I think it's an awesome story. But uh, J.R. Tolkien was a world-renowned Catholic, 
And Catholicism is said to have played a role in the Lord of the Rings. And that's the direction I'd like to take this uh, conversation, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, Catholicism certainly takes, he, he put that sort of from his center, like he took his, how was the phrase? His so, religion? No, no, like, so someone said that he wanted to create an English mythos. That a lot of the English ancient mythos had been lost to time because the uh, closest uh, thing we typically have for English history, English mythos, is things like uh, is uh, things like uh, uh, Robin Hood and King Arthur and things that are set post-Roman age because you know a lot of the cultural uh, historical aspects of uh, from, Eng uh, from England were lost after the Romans made it to there. But he definitely in incorporated a significantly good amount of Catho uh, Catholic Type teaching tho thought into what he did. Like when I, the first time I read the Silmarillion, which details the creation of uh, Tolkien's world, and when I say creation, I mean like God creating the world. Uh, a lot you have the Valar and the Maiar, and the Valar are supposed to be, um, you know, the fourteen uh, sort of effectively. You you could see them as almost elder gods. You could look at them in a way that is almost like the Olympian gods, except fourteen instead of twelve, with each of them representing a different aspect. And like you have, you know, Alun who was earth, Manwe who was air, Unwe who was. Or Ulwe, who was water, and then uh, Melkor, who was fire. Like, literally four basic elements. So one could make be forgiven for thinking that the intention was to make uh, them like uh, like Olympian gods or, or older pagan gods that represented a specific element or aspect of the world. But the way that my English professor said is that because uh, Tolkien was a Catholic, the idea was that these aren't supposed to be, you know, uh, these are not supposed to represent gods. They're supposed to represent choirs of angels. They're supposed to be uh, cherubim and seraphim and... Uh, All those good angels out there. And yeah. archangels. And yeah. Yeah. Such things. Michael, Raphael, and uh, what's the other archangel? Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, yeah. and obviously Lucifer, Lucifer uh, Melkor is supposed to be Lucifer. Okay, cool. Um, so, do you mind if you tell me about a bit about your religious beliefs? Like, do you believe in God? Or do you have any religion or anything? Uh, no, I'm an atheist. I, I don't believe in God. The uh, so atheism. Atheism is one of those things that uh, half the time I see a lot of people that are like, like the like uh, go, like growing up. Like I was inundated with a lot of Christian. I, iconography so at some point as a kid I most likely thought God existed and the only God I probably could have named as a kid would have been Jesus right but like religiously I like I don't think I ever went to class I didn't sorry, not class I ever went to church uh, my religious uh, viewing things was basically you know here comes Christmas time yeah here's some Christmas carols or mm -hmm. watching things like the Ten Commandments over over the Easter uh, with Kirk Douglas? Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, oh, yeah, the old one, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the first, that always plays on e during the Easter weekend. Right on, yeah. Uh, so what kind of iconography, sorry, are you used to? Like, where did you see that? In your grandma's house, or? No, not, not, 
like because the West was a very was certainly a very Christian uh, world, and and like Canada and the Western world has you know there are churches everywhere. There is oh, there is cross. The idea that you know a lot of our stories involve things like you know the vampire is put is uh, defeated by by putting a cross to its face. It's like you know it is something that innate and emphatically affirms a religious idea that the like if a cross didn't stop a vampire then then the cross has no power then the cross but if the cross yeah. does have stop a vampire then the power that behind that representation behind that cross exists and the idea must mean something right yeah, yeah. so like you look at something like <coughs> uh the castlevania what uh, is that sorry the Calavania? castlevania what is that? Uh, I'll, I'll go go into that in a second but uh uh, actually, no, I should go into that. So, like, yeah, exa yeah, example is uh, Castlevania was a uh, video game that got turned into a Netflix uh, TV show, I want to say two, three years ago. And it's the story of the Belmont family in Valencia. Okay. What is that, sorry? Uh, Transylvania. Transylvania. Is that Valencia. A... Is that a part of Russia? Uh, it's part of Bulgaria. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, like, basically Eastern Europe, right? So, okay, so, be, and, you know, of course, the people listening at home can def definitely see me, even though there's no uh, no, uh, <laughs> uh, no uh, video. Visual, yeah. So, back in <clears throat> 1600s, 1700s, somewhere around there, you have a good chunk of Eastern, the southern uh, part of Eastern Europe being controlled by the Ottomans. You have the Habs... Which are the Turks? Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the Turks. And then you have the... Uh, Habsburgs in control of Austria, as well as a number of other things like Spain, that do the various uh, political meander on the continent. So, can I guess, the Turks are Muslims and the uh, other ones are Christians? Yeah, the the okay. Austrians are Christians. Yes. Okay, okay. The uh, you know Austria, you know a, a very Catholic ta uh, city, uh, uh, country even today. Spain, obviously, very Catholic uh, country even today. Yeah, it is, but not nobody goes to church. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so back then uh, there was a, sm a small country called uh, Wallachia, and it was basically where Bulgaria is right now. And it is, uh, it was one of those. So at the end, what happened is that uh, there would be constantly wars back and forth. Uh, the famous leader of Wallachia, his father was, uh, and his father and his himself and his brother were summoned to. Uh, Constantinople at that point I believe they had changed it to Istanbul okay. and yeah. he was basically held as hostage for several de for several years and then he learned became a soldier within the army when he eventually came back and started ruling Wallachia he started fighting various brutal battles against the Turks and especially at one point when the Turks tried to he stopped paying tribute to the Turks and the Turks invade invaded and he led despite being outnumbered led a powerful counter charge uh, counterattack against them I was able to almost destroy completely the Turkish army, uh, despite having less numbers. And he got his name... Sorry to bother you or interrupt. Yeah. <clears throat> Can we try to um, be a bit more concise here? Sorry. So, because you're, you're, you're going very into depth, yeah, but I so think the listeners might... I saw the, I like so to, back to Castle. But basically... Like, if you had to summarize the, the, it. But the yeah. first, like, Valencia is a small country that used to exist... It's mo most famous now for being on the Transylvania Mountains, for being ruled by Vlad the Impaler, for being the what is supposedly the origin of Dracula. Okay. So Castlevania was a video game where Simon Belmont, after <coughs> Simon Belmont, goes to Dracula's castle, tries to tries to defeat him. In the particular story of um, 
Castlevania, the um, like the the idea that you have basically his wife gets uh, burnt at the stake under charges of witchcraft, and he just goes nuts. And like you know, one year to the day after his wife is di- has, is killed, he just releases literally a portal to hell that releases all kinds of demons into the world. And where do they where do they concentrate? Like in the Ottoman Empire and the other empire, Wallachia. or do, are they just everywhere? Oh, they start in Wallachia, and which the, is the Ottoman, right? No, no, that's that's the nation between. It basically, again, where the Transylvania Mountains is, it's a Christian nation. Okay, so it, so it, sorry, but how does this relate to your belief in God? Because we were talking it, it, about it's that. it's it's a, like it's because we were talking about the power of the cross is like oh, okay, like, gotcha, 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 people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the idea because what plays out in that in those opening scenes is reminiscent of witch burnings for example and the church going too far but then but when you look at the entire show like the cross works against vampires yeah. holy water works against vampires a trained priest blessing the water turns it into holy water like yeah in this this is a world where god is real Active god exists yeah he's doing something beneficial to yeah. the people who believe in like him, it, ha- it has yeah. like god, and this this is a world where God God is real and God has power. Now, now growing up, I I never I, again I was never religious. Like uh, my grandmother has a story that the well, last time she ever went to church was uh, two days into the Blitz because she's the Blitz Greg. Yeah, because she's Polish. So like September third, first Sunday of the Blitz, she uh, was walking to church and then they heard the planes going overhead and then they made that. Uh, her father threw her into the ditch and threw his own body over because he thought that maybe they were about to attack. They, they didn't, but uh, they uh, they made it to the church, and that was the last time they went, which is... Is that when she lost her faith type thing? Well, here's the thing. She's been living in Canada for over six decades. Yep. She has every... Like, I don't think she ever lost her faith. I'm just saying that she's had six decades to go back to church. I don't think it's a matter she lost her faith. I think it's a matter she just didn't like going to church. Oh, okay, gotcha. I understand. So, so sorry, how does this relate to your own belief so, of God or of okay, religion? Yeah, I, I, yeah. So, go ahead. Because it's going to be a nice, long, long story. And then, yeah, yeah, like, sorry. I, I'm trying to hold <sighs> on. It's, yeah. It's winding a bit too much. <laughs> sorry, I, I, ram- okay. I ramble. I, we have time. Just yeah. I have to go pee, actually. Do you have any toilet paper? I do not. Okay, that's okay. I'll that's hold one it. thing I didn't think I'd have to bring. That's okay. I'll hold it. Um, but so, go but ahead. Like, so Sorry, basically, I just at I the need end, to look for the toilet paper. Yeah, it, it got to a point where I have to go in that building right there. Anyway, go ahead. I go ahead. I got to a point where I really like I I didn't believe, and then you start seeing like some of the criticisms. Like I got you look. Uh, so, so, so yeah. Just to sort of just I, I try to bring this more into less rambling. I, I never grew up with any particular bias one way or the other. So what ended up ultimately what ended up happening is I never considered myself religious. I, I thought I would be agnostic or you know just I just didn't know the actual answer because. And then as time went on, I just realized I was an atheist. Like I didn't actually believe in God. And then someone would say, you know. God is like, okay, uh, how do you back that up? Because I, I, I'm at a point where it's not a matter of, you know, if you tell me there's a God, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I, I, you know, plenty of people say that there's a God, but plenty of people say it's their God. That's the right, that's one. And I, I want to see you know, what is the correct one. And there are always answers that 
should have been able to be. I, I, there's always. I, I don't know how to put this. Like, you look at. I believe it's Mark and John, and you have the birth history of Jesus. Okay. And they go back to the. And they go back to one. I think. I forget how far one goes back, but the other one goes back all the way to David. And the idea is that the Savior, the, the Christ, the, the Anointed One, is supposed to be a descendant directly from David. Yeah, through the line of Mary, I believe. Yeah. So you have these two, these two lists going back. After, uh, they, they both start with Joseph, not Mary. Which, is, considering that Joseph is not supposed to be the father, is questionable in the in the first place. They, they yeah, he's a figurative father. They yeah. deviate from there, and they go back. David, like that's that's suspicious to anyone who's not suspicious. Like, so you have to start you start asking questions. Like, and then they, and it's very clear that this was necessarily written to be to meet a prophecy yeah yeah that, and that they probably didn't actually know those names whose ideas are these are these your own ideas or are these ideas of known well-known atheists i i mean it, it's an observation that people, you're making or have you ever heard it from somebody else other people make that yeah and it's a matter that it becomes a question of like how so how many of these are actually real? How many of them? How many of these are people who think that you know they it had to go back to David, so they had to fill in that gap? And yeah. It, and it so so it a question like a matter of you need to prove something and before uh, prove something, and then a lot of times it, it started falling apart, like because like the going back to David. Or I think the, uh, maybe the other one that goes all the way back. Like, there's a point where... It's this way. There's a point <clears throat> in uh, the Bible where they list the, how old people lived to. And that's where the whole young earth creation, the idea that the world is only 6,000 years old comes from. Okay. Because they go back that but some people don't like some religions, such as the Catholic Church, doesn't believe in the literal interpretation of Genesis. Okay, so what do you say to that? It doesn't change the fact that you have a book that says, you know, Adam lived to be nine hundred, and then uh, Seth lived to be I'm sure how old, and then you have a list. Again, but that's that's missing the forest for the trees. I think the point of Christianity is to be a good person. I think. What do you say to that? Christianity can be trying to be a good person, but like, I mean, if uh, there is, but the institution of Christianity takes actions that do not support. Which institution? So, okay, uh, what? Let's go this way. So, these just. This way's good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, the, like, the easiest one is the uh, incident with Galileo. Like Galileo realized that the Earth revolves around the Sun, and he was threatened with torture. He had two contemporaries who agreed with him, you know, killed by the Church. Yeah. There are some actions that are 
there are some actions that go beyond any defense of saying the point yeah, of this, this institution is to try to be... It's one of this it's beyond the fact the idea that one of the institutions try to be a good person because you're clearly acting in a way to defend the authority of the Do you like to deal with good people? Generally yes. Well then why why are you kinda of criticizing and missing the forest for the trees in the sense that you're getting all caught up on the details but you're missing the bigger picture, which is the point of Christianity is just to be a good person. What what do you have what do you have against that? That's a bit of a It's a stretch? Is that what you're gonna say? Well because people are going to affirm that the idea that to exist be a Christian is to be a good person. What do they say? You could say the same <laughs> thing about Islam. You could say the same thing. Yeah, but Muslims seem to kind of go and take it a little too far. Uh, and that's much more frequent than I've ever heard a Christian ever do it. So, like, they don't, Christians don't generally kill people, but I have heard of Muslims kind of being quite uh, aggressive with uh, their retaliations. Let's just uh, put it that way. What do you have to say to that? Sorry, I'm getting annoyed, aren't I? What do you think uh, non Christians think of Christians? Uh, same thing, probably. Except, or they're infidels and they want to kill them. That's what Muslims think, at least, right? Well, it doesn't have to be non-Christian to... Well, yeah, there's bias. I get that. Some people like stuff and some people don't like stuff. Like, is, is there anything fantastic about that? No, not really. But, but what, I'm trying to get, what I'm trying to get at with you is... is okay, so you're telling me... Uh, and obviously this is supposed to be an interview, it's not supposed to be a debate, but uh, let's just put it at this, that I honestly think that you're a little lost in the details and you're forgetting the bigger picture, which I think um, is a major disservice not only to the listeners, but also to yourself, so uh, you're missing the picture, man. The picture of Christianity is to be a good person, and I don't see why there's anything wrong with that. Is there anything wrong with that idea? idea of being a good person is not necessarily wrong. The, if there was something wrong about saying Christianity is the idea of being a good person is that, as if one Christianity is the only uh, person, is the only uh, institution that holds that ideal. Yeah, but but what do you or think? Of, what do you think about that, the individual? Holding that idea does not cha- change. Rather, saying that they hold that idea means that they follow that action. Right, that, and that makes sense because, uh, yeah, because like, there is a, because there is an example would be like the Antifa movement currently. It's not a religion, though, is it's it? It's not a religion, but the same idea that you know, they, they assert that they are anti-fascist. Therefore, their actions are against fascism. Yet, just because their actions are against fascism, or at least they assert their actions are against fascism, doesn't necessarily mean that every action they take is somehow inherently proof against acting that way. Oh, okay. So, um, I see. You're, t- you're taking different kind of organizations and just pointing out the hypocrisy. So, do you ever think that perhaps all the Christians are hypocritical because they never reach the full standard to which they supposedly ascribe, which is the way of Christ, which is almost uh, imperfection, and nobody ever reaches it. So, is that pretty much what you're saying? Is that it's pretty hypocritical? Oh, because I thought that was the parallel with uh, Antifa, because they claim to be all anti-fascist, yet everything they do is not all anti-fascist. So, Antifa is not anti. 
uh, claims to be anti-fascist, and, uh, and not everything they do is anti-fascist, it becomes very apparent that the issue with Antifa in, in other institutions is the thing that they claim to stand against yeah. is a smokescreen for how they choose to act. Yes, and I would agree with you with the Catholic and the Christian churches is that they, they claim to act one way, yet they actually are quite disappointing in the fact that they act kind of like the exact opposite, which I would just say is the fallen, it's basically Adam, your name. Adam was the first man and he fell. Welcome to the Genesis. Well, that's an interesting point to put. Okay, can we pause it there? I'm just going to do my business and I'll come back, okay? It's your typical fantasy stuff. Uh, the big thing is like uh, things like the War of the Beard, the, the war between the massive war between elves and uh, dwarves. And so you're Warhammer fantasy. fantasy. You're not the Grim. You're not uh, Warhammer. Forty K. Forty K. So the idea is that the Forty K universe. The idea is that the ancient ones who made the fantasy universe are possibly the same ancient ones who made the Forty K universe and invented psychers. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Uh, the idea is that thing. No, 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 no. You guys are on the way up. I'm recording this. This is part of the podcast. Go this, ahead. This is part of the podcast now. Yeah, yeah. So the idea. Yeah. So, sure. Uh, not like that. That was not a declaration of horror, but. Yes. I don't want to. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll stop recording then. Can I put? Can I put on what I just recorded though? Yes. You okay. Can. I will. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Emily here with Adam. Uh, Adam, how are you feeling at the moment? Doing all right. We we wanna sum up. Uh, the whole thing with the uh, discussion yeah yeah so uh, what i wanted to ask you was uh with regards to do you believe in god you told me you're an atheist is that is that correct yeah but hopefully there's a all along like 30 minute discussion that we have on this podcast about that yeah i understand um so you're saying no religion you had very minimal experience with any sort of religion is that correct as well yeah i, I was not raised religious in any way so i Okay, right. Um, so, yeah, what does being a good person mean to you? Does that does that saying good person mean have any meaning to you? It's. I mean, we have an, people have an idea about what it means to be good in a lot of cases, like trying, but like even going back to things like uh, Plato's Republic and the discussions with Socrates, they were it was difficult to figure out what exactly is good. Right, exactly. So it means something different almost to every single person you talk to. Do you, do you find that is true? Like everybody kind of seems to have a different take on what that means. Is is that what you would say? Yeah, like, I guess I'd say something like that. Because like, you have, there are things that are people will commonly uh, Like helping an old lady across the street, something yeah. like that. People will, there are things that are like, yes, this is obviously a good thing to, to do, like helping an old lady across the street. But then you get into things that are 
uh, vary greatly. Like uh, the idea that you know, if a criminal comes at somebody, and uh, someone uses lethal force to defend themselves because they feel they have to use lethal force. There are some people who say, yes, that's acceptable to defend yourself because your life is at risk. And there are others who would affirm that, you know, pacifism is wrong. And like, uh, sorry, not pacifism, pacifism is the more correct way. And Who would say that? Uh, a Quaker? I was actually thinking more along the lines of the more traditionalist uh, Buddhist monks of the of uh, the Eastern Asian area who okay yeah yeah because they're thinking of doing no harm they they always wipe the bugs out of the way and they wear cloth masks so that they don't kill anything because there is a group of people who so are so terrified of causing harm to another living creature they will drink their uh, like drink fluids through a cheesecloth to avoid accidentally swallowing creatures like mm-hmm. If somebody attacked them, while they don't think attacking that, them attacking them is a good thing, the idea of acting in self, their own self-defense, they would think is all is wrong to a certain point. Isn't that just basically one religion who thinks that? And then there's like everybody else out there in the world, including almost everybody I know, who would say, if somebody's coming at you with a gun, you have every right to shoot them before they shoot you type thing like you you have every right to act in self-defense regardless of the situation but if you do think someone is about to kill you 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 have the right to defend yourself almost every logical person i talk to in north america thinks that so what do you have to say in response to that logic of thinking which seems to be quite popular nowadays i'd say you'd be surprised like the idea certainly the idea of trying to defend yourself if you had to is fairly common the idea of what is required like uh like yeah i'm more perhaps a better uh wedging point here is uh the question of whether it is better to stand and fight or whether it is better to try to remove yourself from the situation and a, a good legal uh comparison here is that in say there was a case in Canada where a bunch of kids were in a throwing like Molotov cocktails at the front of this guy's house. So he stepped out of his house with his not well, his now burning house with a shotgun, fired a warning shot into the air and the kids dispersed and the cops came and they arrested him before uh for for improper use of a firearm because that was not because the idea of the uh, from the cops is that you can is that he could have left his house through the back door and removed himself from that threatening situation. Therefore, even the use of threat of force of firing a warning shot was improper. But you look at many places in the States, if you were, if they were in that place, there are, you know, laws that protect, allow them to defend themselves in that situation. And there are certainly many places in the States where, if the guy had fired a warning shot, if the guy had fired more than just a warning shot, it would have been legal. And, okay, and, and I understand. So, so sorry, can I sum this part up again? Sure. Now, is it fair to say that you are a relativist? Uh, I, I, I don't think I'm necessarily a relativist, but I'm also not an objectivist. Like, Okay, so, so I understand. There's, so let's say you're not an objectivist. That's true. Uh, like, you can't, you don't believe in objective good and evil, like as in, um, you know, killing a man 
in cold blood is wrong. You don't believe in that level of objectivity. Is is that correct? Because if it is, that's a bit of a dicey place to be, isn't it? Because first, I have to because in terms of uh, objectivism, like that—that's a specific philosophy. And there's... sorry, I meant it in that way. So, as an objective means, there's an objective re- uh, good and evil in the world. That's what I mean by that. Or is that something you haven't considered before? Maybe the idea that something is inherently evil is. I mean, there are things I would certainly think personally are evil, but I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say I would go as far as to be an objective. Like, if, if can I, sorry, can I ask you the one thing? Like, is there anything out there that you could possibly do that is crossing the line of cold-blooded evil? Can you think of one thing that falls into that category? Like, raping anybody? Like just a, a man walking naked and sticking his dick into an unsuspecting old lady who's walking down the street. Do you think that is objectively evil? I mean, that, that's obviously terrible. I think the issue is that... Do you I, think Hitler was objectively evil in killing 9 million Jews? Or Mussolini or Stalin? Or I'm Mao. Trying to frame my, my answer as best I can. I'm. I'm just wondering though, like, if there was hell and there was one person in it, would Hitler be there? That's what I'm asking you. I mean, one would hope, yes. Okay, so I think that makes you an objectivist, actually. <laughs> uh, Sorry, we we can change the subject, but I'll, yeah. Just, let's. Uh, I'll just uh, try try to give my answer real quick, and then the problem with the idea of trying to declare something evil is. Intent has a lot to do with it. So you... You can never tell somebody's intent truly because only they know? Is that what you're getting at? I was going to say more along the lines that you've got uh, a naked guy walking down the street, sticking his uh, thing into other things. His penis into somebody's vagina, uh, like raping, in cold-blooded rape, in broad daylight, where everybody's watching for the whole world to see. So... If and his, there's if videos his intent, of if this. If his intent is to just go out and rape people, then yeah, that seems damn evil to me. If his, so, that makes you an objectivist because if, there are things that do cross that line. I, I I'd say then probably yes, I am an objectivist in the sense that I find things that do cross that line. I it's just there are a lot of times where it's there are a lot before something is necessarily evil to me. There are a lot of factors to the point that. I don't like to group entire things into one thing. I, like you have to look at various situations, various intentions. Like if you're going to go out and rape and rape someone, yeah, that's bad. If you're going to, if you're like messed up on bath salts, your your action is bad. Whether or not you are necessarily bad or the victim of your own actions. It becomes yeah. more of an argument. Now, it doesn't change does, the yeah. fact that your action is still bad and you need to be punished for your action, but it does change things like what is the appropriate punishment? Do you need to be yeah. away or do you need help? Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I get that. That's more of a deeper psychological question to be asked and studied. So let's hope that um, some academics out there are better capable and able to run those studies and to make it um, 
more of like a clear science instead of a guessing game, right? Because nobody knows the answer to those types of things, really. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, we're gonna get stuck into the weeds of this yeah. question. Yeah. Well, I was I was gonna ask you just one more thing on that topic, and sure. when it comes to like laws and good and evil and things like that, and what a country wants to allow and what a country should want to disallow and stuff like that, um, aka like the legal system. What are your thoughts towards the nomination and uh, seemingly successful um, hearing of Amy, Judge Amy Coney Barrett for the United States Supreme Court? I didn't realize she had, uh, the nomination had gone all the way through. And she been, has she been appointed? Or? No, she has had a successful nomination. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, I don't see any particular issue with... Uh, like uh, originalism and textualism? Because I don't know too much about her politics or policies. Most of what I know about her is mostly a response to the left's response, which is mostly couched in the terms that uh, people like, uh, say, Tim Poole online, discussing how the left was told, do not attack her on things like her religion. Do not attack her on things like her family. Mm -hmm. Do not go into these bad places and try to attack her and try, you know, challenge her on her policies and challenge her on whether or not she is fit for the job, yeah. not on these pointless things. But but why and, would you consider like a religion and a, and a family to be something negative? Like that's that's not really negative. No, yeah. Because uh, she's, she's Catholic and she has seven kids. Like one of them's disabled and two of them are adopted from so, Haiti. So, so. Uh, then clearly I need to clarify. It was viewed that it would be a bad idea to attack her on her family and to attack her on her religion mm -hmm. because it because this is the instructions going out from the liberals from the democrats to the other democrats and they think that it would be bad for them to do that because it would because the public would respond badly to be someone being treated that well, that way yeah. and would and would be turned against the democrats and in favor of the republicans i understand yeah. so that's why um, the, talk about these bad things. It is a bad idea to attack someone on their religion. It is a bad idea to attack somebody on their family when these things do not necessarily matter. These things do not necessarily... Add up to her ability to do the job. Yeah. Yeah, because she, she has merit onto herself regardless yeah. of her religion so, or her family. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of her nomination, I, I honestly don't know too much about her. I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not looking around the various courts of the United States so I don't know terribly much about her and probably never heard her name before, before this. Yeah. this incident I honestly couldn't give you her name back to you even though you, you told me it like what less than five minutes ago ACB is her short form ACB for Amy Coney Barrett yeah, yeah. so uh, I will definitely at least try to remember the name as she is given the Republicans hold the Senate she is likely to get confirmed ultimately mm -hmm. yeah but uh I don't know terribly much about her, how I feel about her. I, I mean, I don't have any particular problem. Like, it's likely going to happen. Uh, one can simply hope that she is professional, and that that's all that one can ever hope for in these situations. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so I, I don't see no reason why she shouldn't be, but there's, I mean, it doesn't mean that I won't be disappointed at some point in the future, but for now, I don't have any comment to make. Mm -hmm, right. Um, okay, so yeah, now is the time. I think, sorry, ooh, that sounds like a gong. Um, so 
when would you like to head out in about five minutes maybe uh start walking back in about 15 so okay, another okay. 15 minutes here and then we can start uh continue doing the interview about walking walk and talk okay uh authenticity trueness oneness and wholeness um what does what do those collections of words mean to you authenticity trueness oneness and wholeness uh not terribly much i mean truthfulness i understand what that means authenticity it, it sounds like the sort of thing that gets replaced for it seems like a lot of these things uh, like uh, authenticity seems like it's something that's a word to replace the word truthful mm -hmm. truthfulness um uh, wholeness and oneness mm -hmm. uh, well, a wholeness, I guess, is one might, I might equate to happiness. Okay. Oneness, I'm not sure exactly how I would equate that, except in trying to, when using some sort of spiritual term. But I'm not sure how you want, uh, if there's anything you wanted to go with these questions or if you... No, if, no, that's just it, kind of like the concept of that, those terms. Like, do they have any meaning? Are they Are they valuable to you? Or is that just... Uh, just another word type thing like I like typically it's another word like okay. I, I don't put too much thought into my things. own like yeah. authenticity my own trueness oneness own. I like I I try to be truthful whether yeah. or not that means okay uh, what do you think okay so we're reviewing this um, we're doing this podcast on October 24th sure about 3.15 in the afternoon, um, 2020, the year from, quote-unquote, you know, H-E double hockey sticks. Um, what do you feel? Like, we've gone through one wave in Canada. We've gone through the second wave. Now, what do you think the world needs to hear at this point in time? What's a message that the world needs to hear at this point? If you could just get a megaphone and have all 7 billion people listen to you, what would you say to them? Oh, I, you don't want to know what I want to say. So, okay, so, uh, particularly when I saw this question, I started thinking, like, if I had a message, it's like, I, I don't really have a message, then I, I don't usually think about what kind of message would I tell people if I, and like, because again, I, I really don't have messages, I don't have things to, other people really need to know or anything like that. Okay. Uh, like, but, do I need to know anything? <laughs> but, but then I started thinking, like, it comes down to a matter of personality. Mm -hmm. Like, um... Because I know my own personality, I know a lot of my own flaws, and like, I'm I'm like a I'm a people pleaser. I'm uh, I try to solve problems. Like someone comes to me with a problem, okay, let's try to solve it. Like the idea of telling somebody I have got a problem and I'm going to tell them just buzz off, uh, to buzz off. It's like it's it's not necessarily in my nature to to do that immediately. Like if unless I have a good cause. Or, to say to know that you know tell them to go away i'm probably gonna at least try to help them right uh but as i've gotten older as my as i've gotten wiser uh that has started to change and be a bit more in the uh i guess i think it's libertarian vein of people solving their own problems and like you could look at this in my view of things like gun control like uh, i'm typically on the left so the idea of in having gun control in place is something I'm fairly in favor of. But as I've gotten older, this idea that 
uh, that, you know, if someone shows up with a gun, someone else having their own gun to stop them. But it's not something I agree with. This idea that the good, only solution to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun is not something from a practical standpoint that I agree with. It's just as I've gotten older, trying to think of how would I solve the problem of firearms in uh, throughout the world, I've just become more cynical and stopped caring whether well, well what's going to happen. Like if people can't fu uh, run their own lives, I mean, I'm not going to try to fix it with them. So when it comes to, I mean, the me message would be like grimly just tell people to just go away. Like, okay, but like the, the, the thing I want more to ask you about is like after going through all these waves of COVID, it, like do you think the, the world needs to hear like, you know, we're all in this together or like it'll be it'll get better at some point just hold on you know like is there anything out there that you want to say to like inspire people uh, to keep their head up well i mean definitely i mean i mean i'm a i'm a pessimist by nature pacifist pessimist oh as in like you know and like i'm an introvert and i'm not very socially well uh read so like you know, all this COVID stuff, I mean, everyone has to be on their own. It's like, oh my God, I'm alone. I'm shut into my house. I can't do anything. It's like, welcome to my world. You know, it is my time now. I feel like I'm, I feel like it's the Goonies, like, up there, it's their time. Down here, it's my time in my hole. Welcome to my hole. It's like, <laughs> like, you, you, have all, like you have all these people and like, uh, suicide has always been an issue. Depression has always been an issue. You have all these people who... Who need who definitely need a pick me up sometimes? Yeah, I'm definitely not the person to give them to. It's like I am too blunt. I am too straightforward. It's like I, oftentimes people need to find their own ways to uh, pick themselves up in terms of emotionally when if when they're having these kinds of issues when when they have these dark times and usually it's very positive people in their life that bring bring them happiness mm -hmm. like i'm certain there's plenty of people who if they had a message they bring a message of hope they bring a message of positivity they do the thing that people need them to do to keep them positive and keep and give them that emotional boost to push them through mm -hmm. i'm not very much not that person so like I, like i so i don't really have a message because like you have messages to try to boost people up emotionally to help people that are down and i am honestly terrible at doing that and okay. probably the worst person well, is so that's why i don't really have a message i mean so, i i'm like, good i can say like at one point in my life i was feeling pretty low and you tried to help me like, like it, it's I my mean, nature i was there in my office and i was like boo -hoo, i'm not feeling good today and you're like well do you want to go breakfast at the cafe and yeah. i'll get you a coffee and i think we went and we did that yeah. but like you try, you know, to boost me. It's not like you're like, oh, doesn't it suck to feel bad? Welcome to my cave. Yeah. You know, you didn't say that to me. I, like, I mean, I, I don't have a necessarily a message. I mean, I when presented. What would you say to me if I was like, I can't stand COVID. I have to stay alone, and I can't go out and be with my friends, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and blah 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 blah. What would you say to me? You'd say, uh, like, suck it up, Buttercup. Because if we're on the phone, that that might be the sound where the click happens. But like, oh. like uh, okay, I mean, what else? That's okay. I mean, but if I was try, if I was instant, if I wasn't, if I was trying to help, like, 
there are people that listen to people and like you might have to do a zoom call with a therapist but like someone who professional like someone who yeah, knows you're like, not a therapist because uh, i mean this is what happens a lot of times like there are things i can help with by just being someone who listens okay and a lot of times just being someone who listens is enough for a lot of people yes that's and, literally enough it is and then there's some people who it's more than that where yeah. they they need where they need more than that. And if you're like freaking out about COVID, it sounds like you, that you have all these problems. Like, well, none of those things just got fixed by me sitting here listening to it. Yeah, so yeah. it might be a matter where you might need to find someone who can actually pro- provide you, like, with an suggest you yeah. an actual solution to the yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Um, what are your values? What do you value in life? <sighs> Again, this is another question that after thinking about it, it took time after. I knew you were going to ask it to, to think on it. I, I don't really have many values. Like I, I came to the thing, thought that truth is kind of a value. I, I do think being truthful is important. And when someone is dis, I find someone to be dishonest with me in a serious way, like if I'm playing a game where the point is to be deceptive, like a, a bluffing game like that, right? Like poker. Like, or right. like or opposite. magic or... Like, Warhammer, do you ever have to be deceptive? deceptive? It's because it's the name of the game, right? Just to kind of tell a couple bluffs? Uh, I would be more thinking like Sheriff of Nottingham or, uh, oh, that's another one, like a Secret Hitler or uh, some of the ones where uh, there is a traitor mechanic. Like, okay. uh, what's the Shadow Shadows over Camelot, where one player is specifically supposed to be a traitor working against the rest of the team sort of deal. Uh, obviously, in those situations, you are meant to be deceptive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, if somebody lies to me, um, like, oh my goodness. Uh, well, I mean, we can jump to. I think is if somebody lies to me, um, a game, or is that what you're saying with regards to those games that you just? No, to? like, uh, uh, for example, there's a, a girl whose name I'm not going to be using for legal reasons because you're not supposed to do that on the internet. I'll just call her. Uh, crazy bitch okay and i think you know what i'm talking about yeah i do yeah so uh, well you told me a lot about her so i do know so so, so so i'll do a quick uh little thing about uh so one thing she told me was that when she was about to get married and apparently the red flags were all, all over the place mm-hmm. and i i met her like literally once by this point and, and spent like 12 hours and never discussed anything like that anything other than basically her name at that point. So I, I, knew, not, I knew nothing about, about this. But by, over time, she like tells me things like, you know, no one warned me about this. All these warning signs that apparently were there, no one tried to, have, no one tried to warn me. And then... And you were trying to warn her the whole time? No. And then uh, several, like, of course, there was the warning sign that when she, wanted, when she finally started talking with me, uh, she connected with me after... Her, her marriage fell apart and she didn't want anyone else around here to know that I, I was talking with her which yeah. she didn't I, she did things that contradicted that number of times because you know you know real Einstein over there but uh, when I eventually just started talking with the other people it's like no all, all the friends the mutual friends we had up here they told her they, they straight up told her she was just blatantly lying it's like it's difficult to tell whether it's one if it was, was you know in one ear out the other, mm-hmm. or if she's like an actual psychopath or something. And, uh, and well, she is a psychopath. And oh she's well, a, she should and, be diagnosed and treated. And she's a narcissist. And I told her she should seek uh, professional help, and she won't. She's got 
Did you ever feel you were dating her when you're like listening to her blah 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 blah? Like, did that ever feel emotionally like an in, in, intimate? Yes, it an felt intimate like intimate type emotional bond that you had with her because she relied on you to listen to all of her stupid crap. Yeah, in in that sense, like the. Uh, Don't did, be that guy. You're being a yeah, punching bag for her, for Christ's sake. I, I, I'm simping for her. Yes, the uh, uh, like emotionally, like I was the person that she would. It felt like I was the person she would go to for like emotional head, and then I. Yeah, then she'd leave and then come back for some more. Sorry, so we'll pause it. Do you want me to pause it? Oh, he's standing. Okay. So. Hey, love you, sweetie. But the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but although I, I did want to, did did Bruno bring her up a little bit just to. Have a, because uh, I do have a new funny story. And when I say funny, I actually mean funny. Cause, uh, like funny, uh, no, 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 or like, like funny. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. kind of funny. So, like, uh, when this whole COVID thing started, I kept getting phone calls at home from my work, obviously, because we're coordinating things. Yeah. Then one, one morning the phone rings. I'm, I'm still in bed. It's like, I pick up the phone. It's like, put it on, it's like I, I say, I'm about, I'm about to say hello. And I say, say to myself, wait a minute, it's Saturday. My boss doesn't call me on Saturday, and it's right. her. And stuff. You know, oh we at goodness. that point we hadn't talked for six months, maybe a year. Whoa! And but I was tired. I didn't have the presence of mind to tell her to go away. So she's actually been talking and bothering me for the last oh six God. months because I didn't, I didn't have the presence of mind to do it. Uh, you'll be happy to know she no longer has a driver's license. Yeah, that's probably a good thing for that like, is a very, society. Very, like, that's a very, very good me, thing for everyone I'm, I'm around. Happy. Yeah. In, but. Uh, so at one point, and here's where the actual funny story comes in. So at some point, I thought it was funny that you thought your boss, and then was calling, and then you're like, "No, it's Saturday," and then you're like, "Oh no!" I already picked up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so several weeks ago, she had she suddenly discovered the existence of the state of Israel. Does she think she's all of a sudden Jewish? No. Uh, so no? she is going to resolve the problems of war in the Middle East by. Suggesting that the United States move all the population of Israel to Alaska and basically carving out a country for them up there. Now, I'll be, pardon. So all the people from the United States are going to be shipped to Alaska. All the people from Israel are going to oh. be moved to to Alaska. So so oh. so I know there are many possible responses to that. Well, many that's not a bad idea, but it's kind of like not really Israel. So like, why would is the Israelites agree to? The Holy Land just being shifted all the way up into the fucking North Pole. Why would why would that be a good idea? I don't get it. So, so um, there, like, there, like is she, okay. So clearly she's a cat, a crackpot. Like, does yeah, she yeah. does she smoke crack? Uh, I don't know. She's never said she did, but she's a profound liar. So I, I can't really trust. Okay, her. so yeah, she's a crackhead. So so, uh, so, so she's a crackhead. That's so, all I'm I'm getting from this conversation. So so so, so, your so, friend, the, so the crazy joke, bitch is a crackhead. Yeah. So the okay. point and, and the and the joke of it was, um, while there were many things you could uh, criticize about her suggestion, the most important thing, and anyone listening to this that watches the Big Bang Theory, will remember one particular episode fairly early on. Where Sheldon dejected that a younger, more intelligent uh, scientist has taken over his field, decides that he's going to break in his way into a completely different field, and his solution to pe- to violence in the Middle East was basically the same thing, except he wasn't going to put them into Alaska. His suggestion was to move, was to create Israel in Mexico because Mexico has a 
at least similar climate. similar climate. Nice. So her That's suggestion was not only a joke that was supposed to be so ridiculous that no one could understand, and only someone who is completely socially inept could whatever think of it. Even they didn't think of putting it in Alaska. They at least put it in Mexico. Sheldon, it's, so that's the um, that's this tall, like all the ultra nerdy Thor man guy who like has the gloves of Thor doesn't like or Hulk Hulk. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, the one. Hulk mitts that he like, and he sleeps with like a, a blanket, and he's ultra boyish. He but he's, he's ultra he's socially awkward, awkward yeah, but yeah, incredibly yeah. brilliant. Exactly. So shall we shall we roll? We're we gonna bounce. Start okay. Waffles. So what's your favorite music? Do you ever listen to music? Uh, I listen to music quite a bit. Um, like I listen to a lot of different types of stuff. Like, um, I listen to because I listen to a lot of like pretty much whenever anything really catchy catches my fancy, I I I'll listen to it. So yeah, like uh, Billy Eilish. You ever listen to Billie Eilish? Uh, you. No, but uh, like there's a lot of like uh, anything from Big Shiny Tunes from the Much series. Like a lot of those songs I used to listen oh, to. Oh yes. Because I grew up with them, and then things like Taylor Swift's uh, "Shake It Off" when that came out, I found I found that really entertaining. Yeah. Okay. Recently, I saw a review of the movie Cats, and for. Random reasons I decided to check out Cats because I've never seen it before, and I actually like a lot of those uh, songs too. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, okay, sorry again, another gear shift. Um, do you have a personality type? Like, as in, have you ever taken the Myers Briggs where it's like ISTJ or ENFP or whatever? Yeah, I, ironically, very recently. So it was ironic, and I, I wrote it down. Can I guess? Sure. I. No, 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 yeah, um, I-N-T-J. I'm pretty sure that is correct. Yeah, 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 so you're introverted, you're um, thinking instead of sensory, you're, um, you're very planning instead of spontaneous, and uh, I forget what the last one is, but I'm exactly opposite. I'm ENFP and you're I-N-T-J. So you'd rather plan, have a plan and an agenda, so you know, like, first I'm dropping off my car, then I'm going to go eat lunch. Then I'm going to go do podcasts. Then I'm going to go back at my car. Then I'm going to go home and make dinner. Then I'm going to watch YouTube, right? Like, yeah, you have a plan. So you're very planning. You're very introverted. You're very intellectual. So you, I give you an N instead of an S for art. And then the J part is the very last part. And I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm spontaneous. I'm extroverted. I'm, um, I'm an N, I think. So E-N-F for feeling. Mm. I would rather listen to my feelings and make people feel good before I speak mm. but other people who are more task oriented will just bulldoze straight through you and not give a fuck about how they're making the other person feel so they'll just talk about elves for fucking seven hours and I'll be like <sighs> you know what I mean but I'm I'm the one who cares about the feelings so to make you feel good I'll listen to you talk about elves for fuck, fucking seven hours and I'm like what the fuck's an elf like if they have big ears like okay and then you'll talk about Warhammer and you'll talk about magic and then you'll come into my office and give me talk about this for hours upon hours and I've listened to days of Alan well sorry Adam pause that um I might have to take that out but uh flag it um and anyway so days and days of me listening and I'm like 
don't want to make a deal about it. I don't want to kick him out. You could have just kicked me out. Yeah, I know. Okay, so I think we've already answered the question, have you ever dated a narcissist? Have you ever owned a home? That's obviously yes. I was going to ask you next about your education. So if you don't mind talking about that, um, just give me a chance to go pee again. But you can still give the answer and I'll, I'll listen through the door. So. Sure, yep. Really want that audio to go on the internet? Yeah, yeah. Um, so education, profession, sure. and best best job. I might take it off, but what? Sure. Um, all right. So for education, um, University of Toronto. Uh, educating chemistry. I also did math because University of Toronto does this thing where they do. Uh, you have to do like a certain number of points and you have to set things up where it's like you have to be a specialist with a minor or like a double major with a minor or something like that. It was how it was set up when I was there and they may have changed it by now. So I did major in math, major in chemistry and all that really meant is the number of requests associated to mathematics or chemistry courses amount to something like 80% uh, of, of the coursework. Uh, general progression, I I worked in a warehouse a lot, like a lot. Like I, I I was working in a warehouse when I was in high school in the summers to save up for university. And, you know, the money I used for that is how I paid for my tuition and, and, and stuff like that because, you know, you, you know, I'm not going to get money otherwise to cover these those expenses. And then uh, on... Uh, and then... I worked in a warehouse at Canadian Tire for in the distribution center in Brampton for five years, a little bit more than five years, and uh, yeah, so pretty much you know ten hours on hard concrete at, on the weekends, and then holy shit, ten hours! Of, oh, where were we working, say? Uh, Canadian Tire. Holy moly, that would have been hard on the the, the warehouse. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Sorry, here, let me just have a look at the list. And, and, then, and then, yeah, so eventually I got the job here. Well, actually, I went back to school after, after the 2008 collapse when I couldn't find work. I was still working in the warehouse. It's just I couldn't find, find any work after finishing university. So I went to a college that had a, what is called a postgrad, I believe it was called. Okay. And it's basically just um, like a one term worth of school that ends in a co-op. The idea that you finish your one term of school and then you get a, try to get a co-op placement. I got one at Health Canada. Okay, cool. Which yeah. uh, gave me access to work where I could get in-world experience using things like a mass spec and uh, various actual chemi chemistry work. And it, it ended up being, it was called casual work, so it was a legit job and I got paid a legit salary. It's mm -hmm. just it, you can only. It's like manager discretion. You can only do it for like ninety days out of the year, so they don't like keep handing it over to their friends, sort of deal. Mm -hmm. And so they can't don't abuse it that way. So okay. Then I got the my interview to come work where I am now, and where I've been for the last eight, you know, half years at this point. Oh okay, and that's uh, oh hello. Um, Oh, thank you. I got it at Giant Tiger. Oh, my God. $28. It's so soft and fluffy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I love it. They, they, sometimes they do really well with their, their outfits. I know. Occasionally, yeah. you can catch some winners. Yeah. See ya. See ya. Oh, I should have introduced you. That's, my, that's Nicole. Yeah, she's, the, um, she's an optometrist. Yeah. Yeah. 
She is nice, actually. Sorry, I, I meant to introduce you. That was, uh, yeah, anyway. Okay, so like we were saying, um, you're talking about, do you want to sit here or do you want to get walking? Oh, start walking. Okay, yeah. So, sorry, you're saying like, um, back to what you're saying. Uh, I, was, uh, yeah. I, was, I got the job up here and uh, that's pretty much been it for the last eight and a half years. Okay, and what have you been doing in the last eight and a half years? Uh, chemistry at a nuclear research facility. Yeah, and is it a job you like? or? Uh, it's a job I enjoy. It, it gets stressful here and there when, because so many things are homemade, and that there's if something breaks, it's up to no one but me to fix it. And yeah, I was never really that mechanically minded, so I've had to become yeah. that mechanically minded. I had to get good at something I wasn't good at before to grow, which yeah. can be really stressful, but it does get to be rewarding every so often. Okay, and like, what's the best thing about your job? The pay. Okay, um, and I'm assuming you're very satisfied with your financial leverage that you've been able to attain because of that job? Uh, yeah, the, the financial independence I've, that I've been able to uh, get with it is pretty good. Yeah. And part of it is the fact that I don't do things like, I don't go on expensive trips, I don't, I, I try to focus my money towards what I want at that time, so I'm a bit of more of a saver than a spender, so that works out in my favor for me. Okay, that's that's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, so, you know, the podcast is about to start wrapping up. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Uh, yeah. Um, so I have that list of four things, but I, I figure I may as well just talk about Medusa. Oh. That's probably the most interesting one. Okay. So, um... And Medusa is the, basically the god that, the goddess that has the snake uh, hair? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um... So, the idea is that, uh, for people who don't know that much about Greek history, so, like, literally thousands of years ago, the, uh... What we understand of a lot of Greek society and, uh went through various changes and iterations. Yeah. But we don't really know too much about it because uh, because of things called the thing called the Bronze Age Collapse where for some reason and, and people aren't sure why the Greek culture is just imploded. Oh no. So they had a language called Linear B which we can't read. Okay. And they had a whole bunch of myths and a whole bunch of stories where pretty much all we get in terms of to understand it is various pieces of pottery. Yeah. Now, this, now the, the time before this collapse was called the Mycenaean Age. Mycenaean? Mycenaean. Oh, Mycenaean. Okay. So, um, so about 800 BC, we get the start of what's referred to the Hellenistic Age. And the Hellenistic Age is most likely a reference to Helen of Troy because our first writing is uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey by Homer. Yeah. And then we start actually getting what we usually think of of Greek culture. So, like, there's suggestions that, for example, uh, Poseidon, or whatever their name is for the god of the sea, was actually king of the gods. Okay. And then when the Hellenistic Age started, Zeus, the sky god, became god, king of the gods. Right, yeah. 
And I think, isn't he recognized as the king of the gods now? Uh, well, I mean, the Hellenistic traditions have maintained themselves straight into modern t days in the sense that, you know, Rome adopted the Hellenistic traditions and in the Hellenistic version of things. So it's Okay. So and that allowed at least that version of Greek uh, Greek mythology to persist into the modern day by recording records. Okay. And but, and what what sort of records do you mean like historical like records? Actual writings like like actual stories written down. Okay. Because you got to a point where there's only oral traditions and no one wrote that down. And so they were lost and changed and deformed and yeah. transformed and until they were unrecognizable, I'm assuming. Yeah, so uh, so in it looks like in older days there is this base, monstrous titan called Gorgo that eventually slowly start forming into what we know as the myth of Medusa. Yeah. And the myth of Medusa comes in a few ways. She is a child of one of the uh, ocean titans, I think. Sito? Okay. What's their name? Seton? Sito. Sito. Okay. I, I'm thinking Cetus, but I'm pretty sure Cetus is actually a giant squid monster. Okay, off of what? Like Sesame Street? No? <laughs> yeah. But, Just uh, kidding. But, it uh, sounds like a Jim Henson's creation. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, in the original Greek, Medusa was one of three sisters, all of whom had uh, snakes for hair and such. Yeah. And they had the power to turn people to stone by looking at them, they were referred to as the Gorgons. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, they sound familiar. So, uh, eventually the story of Perseus happens and he slays Medusa to take her head in order to um, freeze a giant sea monster to stone okay. in a way that is depicted in the great Harryhausen movie Clash of the Titans. Yeah, okay. Um, but then later on, as the Romans more or less started taking over the, the Mediterranean in it was at the time of Augustus, so we're looking at 1st century B.C. Right. Uh, Ovid did his various poem, poems where he wrote down the information about the Greeks. So, uh, and the important thing to understand about the Greeks and the Romans is that even though they basically had the same gods, they had adopted the, the Greek, uh, the Romans had effectively adopted the Greek pantheon with their own names. Okay. The Greeks loved Athena. Uh, Athena, okay. So Athena was the goddess of warfare and the goddess of wisdom. Mm -hmm. So to the Greeks, she represented tactical warfare. Right, yeah. You know, fighting with your head as well as your with strength of arms. Gotcha. They hated Ares. Ares was uh, more or less the embodiment of the chaos of war, the brutal melee. Oh my goodness, this sounds uh, ultra-textual and... Very enriching and multiple layers and lots of things to interpret. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not sure if you're trying to joke with me there, but no, it, it does. It does actually. It, it very. It sounds very layered. So, so basically, the because the Greeks loved Athena and hated Ares. Ares most of the stories with Ares from the Greeks had Ares be some sort of nimcom poop, who uh, some sort of pretty boy who often got caught by something. Okay. Yeah. And Athena was the was often portrayed as the most sensible, most level-headed god of a pantheon of gods who 
most of the time transformed into animals and picked up chicks. Oh, sounds like a stud. Nincompoop, did you say? Nincompoop was the word I used, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So, to the Romans, their interpretation of Ares, or for the Romans, they called him Mars, mm-hmm. um, was he was the was he was the soldier that you know stood up and defended the people. He okay. Was a positive force. War was a positive force for the Romans. So when you have so you have the story of Ovid. Ovid. The uh, the, the uh, po- Roman poet Ovid. Okay, not COVID. <laughs> no, no, Ovid, who uh, he told he basically told the he told the story of Medusa, but in this but because the Romans liked Ares, and they didn't like uh, Athena or who they called Minerva, to because there can only be one god of war. Right on. So. Uh, much like many of Ovid's tales involving Athena, Athena is portrayed negatively. Okay. So instead of being born a monster, as she was in the Greek tales, uh, in the Roman version of the tale, Medusa was a priestess at Athena's temple. The god Poseidon raped her in Athena's temple. Ooh, terrible. And, uh, of course, because they want to portray Athena as being as ridiculous and over the top as the rest of the gods... Athena punishes uh, Medusa by transforming her into what, what people know of as a person with snakes for hairs and would turn men to stone, but at, at a glance, for puni- as punishment for defiling her temple, basically victim-blaming victim her for being raped in her temple. Holy fuck. It's terrible. <clears throat> so, so, of course, this is basically you know ancient world propaganda. Oh, my goodness. So, so you mean propaganda is as old as time? Well, well yeah, that, that's... <laughs> Oh, in fact, like, I didn't know that. So, so yeah, well, basically this is like Ares great, Athena bad. Because it's written by a uh, Roman who values Ares over Athena. Can you press the button? Yep. Oh, whoops, that's the wrong button. Hold on. So good. <laughs> Here you go. So, the, so basically, that story got passed around. And because myths often uh, tend to shift as time goes on, the Greeks would sometimes take that story... And, re- and say that Athena transformed Medusa not as a curse, but uh, to protect her from, uh, to protect her so that no other, no man could ever harm her again. Oh my goodness! Wow. Okay. So, and again, that comes from the fact that Greeks like Athena, so they would not accept portraying Athena in such a negative light that she's basically oh. gone crazy, full crazy bitch, and attack someone who was the victim of crime. So she is a full crazy bitch, is that what you're saying? So Athena was like one of the few gods in ancient Greece that wasn't crazy. Oh. Because the Romans had a interpretation that where they liked the other god of war, they would tell their stories in a way that was... Um, uh, like um, seeing them in a, in a positive light type thing? Yeah, so they'd show Ares in a positive light and Athena <laughs> in a uh, defamatory light. Oh, I see. Interesting. And, and that's the story you wanted to share about Medusa? So that that's sort of ha- that's about half of it because the point is that uh, uh, very recently there has been a suggestion of put uh, there has been a push to put a statue of Medusa holding Perseus's head uh, in front of the Colosseum. Not the Colosseum. The Pantheon. I think it was like Harvey Weinstein's. Uh, oh my God! Wow. Because you know Medusa in that Ovid's version is like. The premier Me Too victim. Okay. 
So, now th this is in comparison to a uh, statue that was made in the Renaissance in, I think it's Florence or Venice, okay. of Perseus holding Medusa's head. Right. And so it's sort of almost the inverse of that, where it's now Medusa holding Perseus's head. Oh, okay. And this is kind of the, the story, or the, the interesting thing I wanted to bring up, just because, like, as a... As a symbol, it really doesn't make it. Well, simultaneously, doesn't make sense, and yet it most makes perfect sense if, depending on where your criticism fall, of certain groups fall, because okay. Perseus didn't rape uh, Medusa. Poseidon did. So why isn't it his head? Oh, okay. So say that one more time for those of us who need to process that again, please. So. So, Medusa's in the statue is holding Perseus's head of what is proposed to be put down as basically an anti-sexual assault thing. Okay. But, but Perseus didn't rape Medusa. Okay. Poseidon did. Poseidon. So, Poseidon's head should be being held up by who? Medusa. Medusa. So, Medusa should be holding up the other guy's head instead of the yeah. one that they're proposing. So, so why is this so fucked up? Like, I understand why, because... She's got the wrong guy's head, but so is basically. Are you saying that, like uh, Harvey Weinstein is the wrong guy? Like they're getting the wrong guy. Like there's plenty of other ones that they should be getting. Is that what the idea is? Uh, no, like if I was a, basically it's sort of the fundamental point of what I'm getting at is this is feminist logic 101. What is feminist logic 101? So, so basically you have this kick-ass story about. Uh, stories about this god Athena, and she's a warrior goddess. She's like the she's like the most revered god of the Greeks after after the king of the gods. Gotcha. She now she's about wisdom and she's about being smart and she's about being all things awesome. And like half, almost every story involving a Greek hero is involves this goddess helping them out because she has to help them out as to as their form of divine intervention. Yeah. And then you've got this guy who comes in with, like, the ancient equivalent of fake news, yeah. and he writes a story where she's like, where this awesome warrior goddess is a crazy fucking bitch. Oh, shit. And so feminist logic is latch onto that story because it turns, because of a victim mentality. Yeah. That, that says, we're going to affirm this... Uh, this victim. We're going to be this victim. It's not It's not a matter that this person was bad to start off with. It's this person is a victim and and ignore the context of wh how the, what made this person a victim is to, was to basically defame a completely different woman. So, yeah, but my, my point is, is like, how is the statue linked to feminism? Like, if you could really sum that up, is it just saying both are both are hypocritical? As part of the feminist Me Too movement? Yes, yes, but but and, what is the point, though? And right now, and of course, they're they have Medusa cutting off Perseus's head instead of Poseidon's head. Okay. Not because they're targeting the person who deserves it. Yeah. Because because the, there's a contextual thing that pretty much any guy will do. Which, which is. Not a, it's not an actual like they, they are putting in front of the, the point is to try to put this in front of how he wants to think. It's not a matter that he's not the right guy. Well, what, the matter what, is that the head on the statue is the wrong statue, but pretty much like 
cutting off the head of any guy as a means of feminist empowerment is sort of the message that's coming off of the statue as opposed to like just retribution for what happened okay like that like you can look at things like uh We're walking. Yeah, go visit grandma. <laughs> so, like, the idea of, like, you can look at things like the Tales from the Crypt cartoon, which did this idea way better, where they had Perseus be the villain and Medusa be the hero. But the idea here is that Perseus was a greedy treasure hunter and, yeah. fe- and, uh, and lost, and ultimately lost against Medusa because of his sin of greed, as opposed to the idea that, you know, Medusa is the hero because of her gender. Oh, okay, got you. So, yeah, yeah, I, I do understand kind of how it comes full circle. So thank you for sharing that with us. I, I'm not sure if I've explained it as well as I really should have, should have or could have, but yeah. I, I think most people do appreciate conciseness, but in this case, it's, um, I think, a complex story with layers, and it's important to understand those layers. So thank you for explaining that to us. Yeah, all right, you're wrong. Uh, all right, yeah. I'm not sure if because I had a few other things that I had on that list of. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want to end them, I, I'm g- good. But like, uh, one of the other things I've started looking into ever since uh, COVID started was this thing called the SCP Foundation. What is that? Uh, so do you know who H.P. Lovecraft is? Nope. Okay. Um, so the SCP Foundation is a. It's basically a literary tool. It's a website. Oh, how to put it. So the idea is that uh, the, the stories of, SCP, of the SCP Foundation are various stories are within a set, within a uh, sort of set world. Yeah. Where you can write sort of much anything. Yeah. Where the, the idea is the SCP Foundation is a group of people that actively uh, seek to control abnormal things Mm -hmm. so they so they find you know people and items that have uh, abnormal properties and they contain them to prevent them from causing harm to other people yeah that's fairly obvious isn't that also known as the criminal justice system no the idea that well here the 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 people and items are things like uh, a magical deer that came from outer space that can turn people into people and objects into helium and nitrogen. So that sounds like fantasy, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of fantasy. So uh, it falls under, I mentioned H.P. Lovecraft, because it falls under a lot of cosmic and body horror stuff. Okay. So it's the idea that, like, we are this, like, the idea of cosmic horror is that, like, there are a bunch of unfeeling gods in the universe, and we live uh, completely out of any kind of control. Yes. And if these gods ever decided to do to do anything, we're, we're gone. Like, the idea of from Lovecraft is that the entire existence of the world is actually the dream of a slumbering elder god. Okay. And the second that elder god wakes up, we all disappear. Okay. And we have no control over that. We are it's basically exercising saying you have zero control over anything. Oh, so do you believe that? We have zero fuck-all control about anything? Well, no, that, that's just the premise of things like uh, cosmic horror. That, oh, okay. You know, such a, that not only are we, that uh, not only do we not really out of control, we are so laughably out of control. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Um, so the SCP Foundation goes through a lot of these sto- stories where the idea is like they will list an SCP, mm-hmm. and it's 
Let's use like SCP-1643, which I think is the deer I just mentioned. Okay. And they'll usually go over the story about how that SCP exists, but okay. usually, but the website itself has the... Can we go up this way or do you want to go that way? Uh, which way did you want to go? Kind of through the field, but it's a little bit of a long way. Yeah, I'm, go I'm going to go to church tonight, so sure. I was just going to walk up this way, okay? Sure. Do you mind? Because I'll send you through the field, or I'll walk with you to the field, but then at some point I have to go back because church starts at 4.30, so... Sure, no okay. Go ahead. So the, uh, the idea is that, um, but, but, is that you have these entities this foundation is trying to prevent various things that, if they ever become created, will yeah. basically end the world if they ever enter reality. And they have to do all kinds of things from science, using scientific weaponry to magic to all kinds of other things in order okay. to prevent them from entering our universe. Okay. And then you have other SCPs where... Uh, you, how likely do you think that is that another life form will enter the universe? It's, compl it's complete works of fiction. They're just... Oh, oh okay, sorry. I, th I thought that this is kind of getting into reality a little bit here. <laughs> but I, I did hear that they... Okay, sorry about that. We were cut off a little bit. Sorry, what were we talking about again? Uh, SBCP Foundation, their interpretation of Adam, uh, Cain, Abel, and Seth. And uh, what is it, generally speaking? So, uh... Like, if you... Please, in the name of conciseness, try try as best as you can, please. original retelling of how the creation of the universe based on people who can make up anything they want. So, in this version, uh, Adam started the world in a golden age. Okay. And then he was, like, a master-level reality bender. He could bend everything... He could basically change all the world and the ancient gods, uh, uh, Yogsbon or... Uh, and Mechanite and the various other other creatures became known as gods okay. bowed to him. But then there was a war between him and the fairy folk and well, Bigfoot, because that's how the SCB Foundation likes to roll. Gotcha. And, he, and Adam got thrown into Titania's prison, which is a prison to hold even the most powerful reality vendors. Oh my goodness gracious, that sounds quite uh, out of this world. So, Abel... Uh, at some point, he grew angry with all three of his sons, and a curse was laid upon them. Yeah. Uh, so Abel is an, immor is an immortal that uh, suffers from extremely violent tendencies. Okay. He will um, uh, Abel, did you say because Cain killed Abel, isn't it? That, that is yeah. probably the interpretation. Cain did kill his brother, right? Yeah, that's the idea that... And what they're probably using for inspiration. Like, uh, Abel is basically psychotic, and every time he comes back from the dead, he just starts killing almost everything in sight. They have to contain him because of this. Because he's, Holy crap. And he can form weapons from thin air, so... From mass destruction. extremely dangerous. Oh my goodness gracious, that's, that's out of this world, really. And Cain is very dour. Uh, he is also immortal. But misfortune happens to people around him. Yeah. Plant life around him dies. Oh my god. Thing, basically, he's a walking person of decay. Shit. That's, that's fucking crazy. But So this is my church I go to. It's called Our Lady Lourdes. Yeah. I, I've actually been to Lourdes, France. Did you know? I think you mentioned that. because It's I phenomenal. It's beautiful. 
my first year here, I rented uh, one of the houses across the way from you. Yeah, and aunts or something. Well, no, I don't think I have any aunts that lives around here. I do have, I did have a grandparents that lived here too, but um, yeah, no, my aunt doesn't live around here. So that must have been another person I know. But uh, did you know? Yeah, I've been to Lourdes, France, and it's absolutely magnificent. Anyway. I you mentioned that. Uh, yeah. Did you go see uh, Notre Dame before the fire? No, I didn't make it up to Paris. Paris is on uh, the north side of France, and then I was in the southern part of France. So I went to Lourdes by bus. It took me 14 hours to get there. That sounds about the distance of traveling in Ontario. I know, yeah, it's like um, Barcelona. I was traveling from a place close to Barcelona, Spain, and then I took this intercontinental type train from Spain over into France, and then I took a bus and a and a cart and a ox and a you know like there's everything involved here. And then I walked a little bit. Then I ended up in France, and it took fourteen freaking hours. Can you imagine that? Insane, yeah. eh? But oh. the, I was devoted. I wanted to go and I wanted to see the Virgin. Oh. The beautiful Virgin Mary. Anyway, uh, that's where I'm going to go to church. It's beautiful. You should come. I'm, I remember I've tried to like drag you to church a bunch yeah, of times. You me to church once. Did you like it? Not really. I wasn't I'll thinking you did. The place was a bit stuffy and I was getting the meat sweats from Korean barbecue. Oh my goodness. I do remember that Korean barbecue. It was quite the, quite the barbecue that day. So, so yeah. Uh, so do you want to wrap it up there? Okay, thank you, uh, Adam, for being a part of the podcast, and uh, I really appreciate it. I've I've enjoyed it plentifully, and uh, I hope you have too. Yeah, well, it was fun. I might have to come back because I'm not sure if he really went through everything or just me rambling on for about two hours. Okay, we'll have you back then sometime. How does that sound? Yeah, Yeah. works for me. Okay, good. Uh, Thank you for listening to episode number one, Adam. Uh, We'd like to thank our sponsors, Giant Tiger. Um, Joe's Pool Hall and Canadian Tire for providing excellent, excellent mechanical service. Um, and the Our Lady of Lourdes Church in wherever the heck we are. Love you, listeners. Thanks for listening. Bye. Have a great day.